Shall we begin? Let's begin now. All right, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Frankly Francisco podcast today. I am excited to run this man down. He is what I like to call the love guru. Okay. He is the host of the Cognac Room podcast. Uh, his name is Jay Christian. How are we doing today, Jay? I'm good. How are you, bro? I'm good. Listen, man, I'm excited to have you on, man. I love your content. Uh, you provide a great service to people, man. And it's, I mean, it's something that I think is sorely missed nowadays. You know, everybody wants to listen to these people on TV about how they relationship like Dr. Phil and all these other people, how relationships should really go. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I think you do a better job of putting people in front of each other and actually asking relevant questions and not taking one side or the other. Because, you know, we're in a society now where it's either your red pill or blue pill and there's no middle ground. And I find myself in the middle ground. I'm neither. Um, so let everybody know about yourself. Yeah. So I'm Jay Christian, host of the Cognac Room podcast, as you stated earlier. I am a dating relationship coach as well as a podcaster. Uh, as I, you know, <laughs> basically, it's not a whole lot to it, man, as far as, you know, what it is that I do. But I see you everywhere, though, man. You're on different shows. I mean, you have, uh, you know, live sessions where you have people in, uh, in with you sitting down. You know, I, I want to get to those days where we can sit back down and have conversations with people face to face. I, you know, I love that stuff. I'm I'm a front facing person this is what I do for a living anyway. So, you know, gotcha. the fact that you get to do this because I see the videos, um, man, I, I, I miss that stuff, man. So how do you manage to do that stuff with, you know, technically the pandemic is waning, but people, your guests are, are comfortable enough to sit down in the same room with no issues, huh? Yes. Uh a lot of them are people that, to be honest with you, are people that we really, we know each other personally. Mm -hmm. And we've known each other for years. These are people that I hang out with when I'm not podcasting. So it's easy to just say, hey, let's pull out the camera and set up some mics and, you know, record. And I love that, though. I love that because you have a source that you can go to. You know what I mean? When, you know, because sometimes it can be hard to, to uh, mind guests and, and get people to come on the show sometimes, especially with people's schedules, families and whatnot. But the fact that you're still doing what you're doing live, I think, I mean, it's great. I think you're you're ahead of the game for a lot of people because a lot of people can't do what you're doing. Like you and I, I we're not sitting face to face yet. Uh, we're relatively close to each other, but we're not, <laughs> we're not there. Um, what got you into this field of relationship advice, into this niche uh, that's been working well for you? Uh, that's a good question. So I would say that having a lot of failed relationships mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely played a big part in it. So by knowing what not to do, I know how to help people with what they should do. And I've been giving relationship advice, a lot of relationship advice for years prior to actually even becoming a relationship coach. And so someone actually said, like, dude, like, you, you're already doing it. You should go ahead and just become a date, uh, dating and relationship coach. And I was like, you know what? I've been thinking about that. So that was kind of confirmation for me, and that's how I got into it. Now, let me, let, let's keep it 100 now. Do you find it more difficult uh, with POC, people of color like me, like you, when it comes to that stuff? Because 
we can be hard-headed and you know we can be hard-headed and you know once we get something in our head don't matter what you say to us you're not going to change your mind so have you come across that kind of issue when you're trying to give advice to people absolutely i have people who pay me to coach them and then they listen to what i say or i make a recommendation or I ask them, like, what do you think your next move should be? Because a lot of times we know what we should be doing, but we just need to get clarity on it, right? So I'll ask some questions to help them gain clarity on what should be done next, what direction they should be headed in, and they will, like, still not do it. <laughs> you're, you're paying me to help you figure this out. And once we come to a conclusion and agree that this is your next move, you still won't do it. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and what's crazy to me, I think sometimes people mistake clarity for validation. Mm -hmm. So I think may, some people might come to you and think, oh, well, he can just give me validation for what I'm going through because I'm right and, and he's wrong. That's not <laughs> how that works. That's not what you're supposed, that's not what you do. Your mm -mm. job, you lay everything out for them on both sides. You you give your opinion on what can work for the both and they need to make the decision. But I think sometimes people make that mistake. They think because they think validation is clarity and it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. You're right. So typically how long do these sessions last for people? Like how long do you usually keep a client? you know, months, you know, weeks? Months, um, generally speaking. So what I like to do is sell like sessions in packs. So like we'll do typically it's like eight sessions um, and they're, they're one hour sessions. So they, they usually run about once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending on, um, you know, their schedule and mine. And my, I've been fortunate. Like my clients keep, like once they get to the end of the eight weeks, they re up every time. So I've had like maybe one client that got like four sessions and he was done. And that was fine. I mean, he seems to be doing well. So, you know, I was glad that I was able to provide a service for him that, that helped him. So, you know, and I know that if and when he hits uh, a snag or something, he'll he'll come back. Like he told me, he said, man, he said, you've kind of helped me choose the right girl, but I'm pretty sure that I'll be back because relationships change and you have to maintain them. And so sometimes we aren't always as skilled in maintaining relationships. Yeah, I can tell you that firsthand. I've been married uh, nine years with my wife. We've been together for 11. Uh, we've hit our rough patches. You know, at, when we first started dating, communication was an issue for us. Uh, you know, even through the years, it's been an issue, but we've gotten better at it. Um, and it's, you know, it's made a change because men are reserved. You know what I mean? Most men don't want to show their their total emotion because down the line, they feel that it'd be used against them. And a lot of women do. A lot of women use that emotion that they show against them later on in an argument or a fight. So that vulnerability, I think a lot of men don't want to put it out there because of that reason. Mm -hmm. Facts. <laughs> so for you, typically, do you see more single or married couples? More single, more single. I have, I literally, I have six, I guess right now you say I have six clients. And when I say clients, I'm talking about couples or single, just, you know, like six separate accounts, I guess we call mm -hmm. them for now. Um, and only one of them is a couple. Really? Yes. So is it the younger generation or is it the older generation that you find to have the most issues? Honestly, 
the, the the singles that I'm they're all thirty and up. Yeah. Wow. They're all thirty and up. Yeah, I wouldn't think it would be so hard for you know somebody in their thirties to to get into the to the the dating scene, but. I mean, times have changed, you know, you know, the Gen Z's are a little bit different than, than I'm 43. So my generation is completely different than the generation that's going on now. So, I mean, exactly. I could I could see that. But what is the biggest for you? What has been the biggest pain point in running this business for you? What what have you come across that's made you step back and go, whoa, I need to improve this or whoa, this, you know, you, any self doubts that you had about this business? It's my desire. Okay, so my desire to see my clients excel and succeed is, is so great. Because, so if they don't, if my clients don't succeed, I would view it as though I failed, right? And so I have to, and I'm still working on that, but I've gotten much better. But I have to understand I'm providing the service that we agreed I would provide. I'm holding up my end of the bargain. I can't make them, you know, uh, apply it or execute. And so sometimes my, my biggest pain point is is seeing a client who wants change, but they're unable to achieve change because they don't know how to execute or because they won't execute. I think people are scared of change too. Absolutely. So when you're when you're so used to doing something for so long and you see that you have another avenue to go to, people are hesitant to jump into that avenue. I was hesitant to jump into the podcast game because I knew the, the market was oversaturated with, with a million, literally a million podcasters out there. But I also knew a lot of podcasters, you know, stop podcasting after seven episodes. You have to have a passion for what you're doing because creating this stuff is not easy. And I can understand the change uh, in some of these. I can see the hesitancy in, in, in men and women because they're like, why do I need to change? But they don't understand you're, they're paying for a service from you. You know, you're trying to give them and trying to shape something for them to help them move on in the future to find a relationship that's going to be not finite. We don't want finite relationships. Exactly. We, we want to be with somebody forever. That's the goal. That's why you get married. Um, but I think economics might play a role in have that. Has that been an issue for you as well? with dealing with people with the economic issue. Maybe they're not being financially ready to, to settle down. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are a lot of guys in particular who aren't financially ready to settle down, but they want, you know, like enriching relationships. They want and value relationships, but they're just not in a situation financially where they're comfortable enough to settle down. And that can be a little bit of a conflict, especially in today's society, because, you know, women want to go on dates and they want to be with someone who provides security and all of these things. And those things are fine. However, you know, there's this popular opinion that, you know, if your money ain't together, you shouldn't be dating or you shouldn't be in a relationship. I don't subscribe to that because I know for a fact that people that love each other can build together, you know? Um, and, and I feel like when it's like that, it works better in my opinion, from my own personal experience than Say, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, say, for example, a woman comes into a relationship with a guy. He's already set. He's secure. You know, she's there, but she's there because it's it's cool over here. Everything's good. It's comfortable. You know, and then the first time there's a bump in the road, it's like, oh, he took a loss. I, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 
it just for me, it's always felt better to be with someone that I could build with because I knew that should things go awry that, you know, and we go back to ground zero, that's where we started from. I think that's the best logic to have because that's how me and my wife happened. Like I, I wasn't listen, man, I was on child support. I was living off three hundred dollars every two weeks. You know what I'm saying? My wife, my she was my girl then, paid for me to get out of my lease. Like, she's been down for me since day one. So, you know, I'll drive the old car. She'll drive the new, you know, the 2022. You know what I mean? I, it, she'll get whatever she wants because she's earned that role. She sacrificed 10 years of her life sitting at home raising the kids. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll do whatever it takes for my wife. But I don't think a lot of people are willing to make that sacrifice. These, you know... There's a narrative out here that a lot of these women want men making 100K a year, six figures. Man, these men ain't making no six figures a year. And if they are, they don't <laughs> want you. So I, right. I, it's how do you give women, this is men and women, how do you give people those reality checks? Because you have to give it, but how do you do it in such a way where they don't feel like they're offended or that you're not trying to hear them out? So I, I bait them into saying it themselves. <laughs> so instead of me saying, "Hey, you know, you you make you work at Wendy's, but you and and you don't have an education and you have several children." I'm just throwing a scenario. Yeah. I'm not knocking anyone who's in that scenario. And you have several children and <clears throat> you know certain things, certain scenario, certain um qualifications or certain things and I say, "Do you do you where do you think you would meet a man like that? Do you, why do you think a man like that would be interested in you? Do you think a man like that would be interested in you beyond sex or vice versa? You know, like you, you know, for a man, you know, you don't, you're not physically fit. You have these health problems. You're like, you kind of said, like, you know, your, your finances are, are really messed up. You want to be with this type of woman. Do you, how do you think, you know, and I'm not saying that you can't and that you won't, but what I'm saying is we have to be somewhat, realistic and understanding of the fact that there may be certain things about me and my life at this particular time that make me not as appealing to the type of person that I want to be with. Now, here's what I tell my, my clients. You can get and be with, you can get exactly what you want. It may require time and patience, but you can get exactly what it is you want. If you want an earner who makes this amount of money, I'm not saying you can't get that. You can get that, but it may not happen this month or next month. It may take a while, you know, and, and there may be some things you need to do to position yourself to be more appealing to a, the type of person that you actually want to be with. And so we have these real conversations. But like I say, I don't I don't bash. I don't judge. That's the number one thing, man. Like I approach this thing from a standpoint of I am non-judgmental. It's not my job or my place to make an assessment or an opinion or judge you as a person or your life. It's simply my job, <clears throat> excuse me, to help you see things for what they really are. You know what I mean? And to understand what actions you should take to improve your situation, whatever that may be. So what is your ultimate goal with this, with this business? Are you trying to get to the point where you can do a Ted talk? Cause a lot of people, you know, that's a goal for a lot of people is get, you know, get on that stage and do a Ted talk. It, what is the actual goal for this business? How, how far are you trying to expand? Are you trying to do state to state? Are you trying to do, you know, sessions online with people across the world? Uh, what is the ultimate goal for this? 
Yeah, right now, I think the ultimate goal is is to put out some courses, which I think will lead to doing some some seminars and some TED Talk type things and some online coaching as well. So, yeah, it's definitely to to create some courses and, you know, some literature and things of that nature. So let me play devil's advocate with you, okay? Because a lot of people, sure. are, you know, a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. I'm not. Mm-hmm. What sets you apart? Okay. What sets you apart from the next person that does this? It's a niche. You're in a niche. Okay. But you're yeah. in a niche that there's uh, 6 billion people on the planet. People, people are always going to need help, but what sets you apart? What's the tone that you set that can say, Hey, don't go to that person. Come to me. I can help you if you let me help you. Okay. I'd say what really sets me apart is I'm very raw and uncut, even though I'm not brutal. You understand what I'm saying? I like I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very open, honest, raw and uncut. And I'm transparent. Like, I've failed a lot. I've been married three times. I, at one point in my life, I had never been faithful to a woman. I didn't know even know what that looked like. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I took my beatings and my bruises in this game of love. And so because of that, I'm able to be patient and understanding with my clients and I'm able to encourage them like, Hey, it's not over for you. It's not too late. You can fix this. You know what I mean? And that's basically, that's it. (laughs) I think people, I think people love the rawness. Uh, When you can, you know, turn the tables on yourself and let them know, listen, I'm not perfect. I've been through it. I've done it. I failed, but I've picked myself back up people can see that and they can see, Hey, he's just not trying to, you know, take me for, for, for what I'm worth. He's actually trying to help me. He's been there. It's that not robotic aspect of doing what you're doing because anybody can, you know, throw some words out there. But when you open yourself up to that criticism, I think a lot of people see the real you and they see that list. You're generally trying to help people. And I think it's a beautiful thing, man. I think you're the service that you are providing for people. Um, it's especially for men now is in the thirties now, because it's getting harder and harder for men who are in their thirties and forties to actually find stability in, in, in love and marriage and, you know, trying to settle down right now because the expectations are through the roof. Now for a lot of these women, they want this, this, and this and that. And some of these men are just not going to be afforded that opportunity to even talk to them. But I think by you sitting there and coaching them, let them know, no, listen, it's going to take some time. You just have to take these steps to for self-improvement. I think that's what it comes down to is self-improvement. And I think that's Absolutely. what you're what you're teaching these people. Now, when it comes to the to the women, do you find it a bit tougher for the, to get through to them, or is it 50-50 with both? I think it's a little tougher with the women. That's been my experience. So with men, the men that actually because you have to understand with men, a lot of men would never even consider seeking um, or paying for a relationship coach. So when a man comes to the point that he's willing to part with his money to be coached, he's going to listen to you. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but with women, I find that sometimes I think that the women, sometimes they just want more of a sounding board than they do um, someone is going to help them get some solutions, right? And so you have to kind of play this position where you are a sounding board, but you're a sounding board that what they say is literally bouncing back and echoing in their ears enough that they can kind of get it together. So 
I would say that in my experience, that's all I can really speak about. Um, it's been a little tougher for the women. Listen, <laughs> nothing's changed over time, man. <laughs> I think that's been going on like that since the beginning of time, trying to get through uh through some of these women and and trying to because sometimes it's, it's true what they say. Sometimes it's you have to give them logic over feelings. Remember, right. I think women are more in tune with their their emotional side. They're more in tune with their self. You know, they it's the sensitivity there. It's you know, and men mm-hmm. men are more. I don't know. Men tend to be try to act like they're more stoic. You know what I mean? They're stone faced right. and. But you can see when a man starts to break down, you can see when you're starting to get through. Women are a lot uh, better at hiding that stuff when they want to. You know what <laughs> I mean? But then, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're crying inside, but they don't want to show you because they don't want to show that weakness either. I think we've gotten to the point now where um, the roles are, I don't know, they, women want to take a more masculine role, which, uh, you know, for some people may like that, but a lot of men don't. So have you run across that where you've had like a, a masculine woman? where she's not, her femininity is not where it needs to be, but at the same token, she still wants to settle down with somebody. How do you, how do you try to talk to them about finding that balance? Yeah, I, I actually do have one. As soon as you said that one particular client, and she's not the only one, but she popped directly in my head. Um, and with her, I think I ask her a lot of questions. What I do involves lots of questions, and I try to get her to understand how she presents to a male, how she presents herself to a male and how, and I ask her questions like, well, when you did this or that, how do you think that made him feel? Right. And so then, you know, she's the layers start to come back a little bit and then she starts to understand like, Oh yeah, I could, I, I should have just kind of let him be the man in that situation. And I'm like, yeah. And so I understand that a lot of women are that way because they feel like they've had to do everything on their own. And I understand that if you feel like you have to play all the roles that you can kind of lose your identity in having to do that to a degree, but you have to be able to defer to a man that's willing to be a man, right. And, and do the right thing. Also, I find that a lot of women have been in relationships with men who have not played their role in the relationship. And so when that happens, and, and I don't get into gender roles, but I do believe that there are some things that a man should just, that should just come along with a man. You know what I'm saying? And that's for him to to want to help in whatever way possible. I'm not saying that he has to be the, the breadwinner because there are a lot of situations where women just have better jobs than men and they make more money, True, right? But okay, and that's fine. I tell people all the time that like guys, there are guys who are like, man, my, my woman makes more money than me. I don't really have a position. I don't know. She won't let me. And I'm like, she doesn't have to let you be the man. Like there are other things you can do to, to, to be the man in the relationship and to make her feel secure because money isn't the end all be all. Like when it comes to the children, like helping out with the kids, I'm not saying like in a, <laughs> a Mr. Mom type of way, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not saying it like that, but, But, you know, like when it comes to, you know, setting guidelines and setting boundaries and and, and, and kind of executing like discipline in the home and, you know, helping make sure that the because the household is a business. So if they bring in the bulk of the money, you can still be the head of the household by 
how the money is distributed and, and being responsible, but you have to have certain qualifications. Like I often tell women, women are like, well, I don't, he can't lead. And I'm like, well, you definitely be need to be with someone who is qualified to lead. But I think people lose it when they think that what, or the main thing that qualifies a man to lead is, is his income. That's not it at all. Yeah. So I've been in a role where I was, and, and this is the one and only time it's ever happened. I've been in a role where I was the essentially the beta of the relationship. This is when I was 18. I was a kid, you know, and I learned my lesson on that. And as I got older, I was always the alpha. It was always had to be the alpha. It was always, it was my way, nobody else's way, I, you know. And I and I tell my wife all the time when we first met, she knows I'm not, sometimes I'm not the easiest person to get along because sometimes that that alpha mentality comes back sometimes. But I've learned over the years with my wife how to balance that out where it's a give and take. It's not always what I have to, what, what I wanted to gun. You know, me and my wife have come to the conclusion where we can listen to, we may not agree with everything, but it's that balance of listening to each other and, you know, get her, get her way sometimes, get my way sometimes, or, and we, or we come together at the same time. You have to find that balance. Cause if not, I don't think it's going to work in relationships, man. It can't be one or the other. You, you just, <laughs> right. it, it has to be a, there has to be a middle ground of communication, of love, of respect, I told my wife in the field that she's going in, she's going to make more money than me within a year or two. I told her I, I could stay at home. I said, you can go work. You can buy the car for mm -hmm. me. I stay at home. I'll raise the kids. I got no problem doing mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Joking around, of course, but I want my wife to do better than me because Absolutely. I started my, I, I, exactly. I started my career later than my wife. Okay. I switched from I, doing private security to working in finance, you know, in banking. So she's going into computers computer field is always going to make more money than a lot of these mm. fields out here. Yes. Yeah. But I prop my wife up for that. I want my wife to do that. I push my wife to do that. You know what I mean? And I think some of these guys don't, don't want to allow their wives or their significant other to prosper. Yeah. I feel like a lot of them, a lot of people, not just guys, but I feel like a lot of people spend too much time, entirely too much time competing with each other instead of, you know, like, complimenting each other mm. in the sense of where I'm weak, you're strong, you know, that sort of thing. And, and what I've noticed with a lot of successful relationships, it may be a situation where a man comes in. Okay. So I, I'll use my first marriage. For example, I came into a situation where I, I married a woman who was better off financially than I was, but because of that, I was a, she was able to kind of hold things down for a season while I went out and got my credentials to better myself. And then I ended up making more money than she did, right? And so we were a team and it worked and it was fine. You know what I mean? Now we didn't make it and it was other, there were other reasons, but at the end of the day, that dynamic worked. And it, I've seen it work for men too. Men may get with a woman, he's holding it down, she's going to school, whatever, she gets it together. And then now she's in a position to contribute and to help in the household. Or maybe he allows her to keep her money and he takes care of everything and she just pays for the trips, however it is. But I think what a lot of people fail to understand is every relationship and every dynamic will be different. You have to find what works for you and your person. Once you find what works for you and your person, you have to have on blinders. You can't pay attention to what Debbie and her man are doing or what Chuck and his wife is, are doing. You know what I mean? It has to be, this works for us. This works for us and it's working for us now. It worked for us then. Maybe we'll make some, things, some changes and tweak it a little bit. But at the end of the day, 
if it works for you and if you see progress and growth and you're able to love and nurture each other at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters. I think it's the I think you're correct when it comes to the the competition aspect of it. I think it's it's a natural thing while people feel competitive. Like they see you with somebody else and they see what they're doing for them. And then she's going to be like, why you ain't doing that? You can't compare relationships, man. That's not healthy. It's not healthy. And I think sometimes people compare if I'm doing something and let's say we taking trips, two or three, four trips every year. And then, you know, the next person that we hang out with, they get mad. But I've lost a friend over that. I've lost a friend over the life that I'm living right now because they still stuck where they are. And I've I've accelerated. And some people don't know how to adjust to that. I would have loved to stay friends with this person, but guess what? It's just time to move on. If they can't accept and they can't keep up with you, and you know, sometimes jealousy is it can ruin a lot of good friendships because yes. they want to compare your life to theirs. Bro, I've been in the same situation. Like, you know, like do, started doing more traveling. You know, just just being happy. You know, um, and then it was just kind of like. I saw the change in in certain friends, like two of my closest friends. Like I started seeing the change in them, and I was like, "Damn, man!" Like, <sighs> you know. But at the end of the day, it's like it is what it is, and so that's the whole thing. Like, there's a saying. What does it say? It says, "Uh, comparison is the enemy of joy," and that's really the truth, bro. Like, you can't be happy with what's on your plate if you're steadily eyeing the next person's plate. You, you're not even going to enjoy your food because you're busy over there looking. Oh, they got lobster. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Listen, I, I, I'll eat my, my macaroni and cheese and uh, hot dogs any day of the week, man. I don't need to compare them. I don't got to have a lobster every day. I don't got to have it every week, man. As long as I got my belly full and my kid's belly full, we good, man. It, it don't matter to me because I know I don't like material things. I'm not, me and my wife are not materialistic. We love to travel. So mm-hmm. we budget our money to make sure that we travel. That's why we're a little bit different than a lot of the people because- I don't care about having a big house or driving a Mercedes. I don't care about any of that. I want experiences for me and my wife because one promise that I made my wife when we got married was no matter whether we have kids or we don't have kids, I'm always going to take you to travel, period. And I've kept that promise for for the 11 years that we've been together and it hasn't stopped. So I get what you're saying, man. But listen, your service that you're doing, man, keep it up, man. I'm rooting for you. I hope you blow up, man. I want to see you on billboards, the next, you know, love guru out there. You know, people coming to you and, you know, you being a book solid for for months and months and months. What projects do you have coming up right now that you want to tell the folks about? So right now I have uh, we have a Cognac Room podcast documentary (laughs) that we're putting together. It's just because we have so much fun. So one day I was like sitting back and like it's a whole big ordeal. So I was like, okay, we're putting together this thing and we're having so much fun doing it. We need to share with others. So we have that documentary coming out. We, um, I have, I'm putting together a speed dating event. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting that together. And right now it's been, it's been a little slow, but things are moving a little, starting to pick up on that. So definitely the speed dating. What else? Um, a book. I'm working on a book. So when the book is done, I'll announce that. Uh, nice. That's about it right now. So where can people find you? Where can they set appointments to talk to you? Let everybody know where they can find Jay Christian at. Okay. Yeah. So I am on Instagram at the Cognac Room Podcast. I am on Twitter at the Cognac Room. And I'm on Facebook at the Cognac Room Podcast. Feel free to inbox me on any of those platforms. 
Um, also, I have a Calendly link that that I will actually share with you know, like on my pages or whatever, so that people can get in contact with me. As a matter of fact, if you would go, if people go to the page and they go to my um, link tree, yeah, my link tree, all of it's right there. Okay. So listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, taking some time to talk to me, man. Uh, like I said, I, I appreciate what you're doing for folks out there. You know, a lot of people are not, you know, don't like talking about their feelings, but you find a way for having to, you know, get people to open up male or female. It doesn't matter. You're there for everybody that needs it. Um, so I appreciate you coming on, man. I love to have you back on when the book comes out, you know, so you can talk it up some more and we can get you out there. Uh, so I'm going to leave you what I leave everybody with. If you found your purpose in life, no matter what anybody says, live it. I appreciate you folks. We'll talk to you later.